Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. the Fulhamish podcast we are your weekly one-stop shop for Fulham FC analysis discussion and debate my name is Sammy James and tonight we'll be talking about Saturday's late late show as whilst it's been a dry January for many it hasn't certainly been for Fulham four league wins 14 goals just two conceded and six of those goals for a certain Ryan Sessegnon Uh, tonight we'll be talking about that big Barnsley game plus so much more And on tonight's podcast are three blokes who I'd never imagined pulling off a dry weekend, let alone a whole dry month. It's Don Betts. Hello, hello. Farrell Monk. Bonjour. And back on the podcast, Drew Heatley. Glug, glug. (laughs) (laughs) How are you all doing? All right. Just about recovered, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. Me me too as well, Don. I'm in the same ballpark as you. Well, plenty to discuss, including the TC transfer talk, uh, forest preview as well, and plus big news of a Fulhamish interview coming later this week uh, but first of all we need to do some three word reviews uh, no Jack tonight so secretarial duties passed to Dom Betts what came in after the game on Saturday Dom well on Twitter we had from FC Dom who isn't me just gonna <laughs> make sure it's true I met FC Dom on Saturday uh, didn't see third I think that's quite relevant because I don't I don't think anyone down the front bit of the stand saw the third goal we just saw the ball hit the back of a net. Some people didn't even see that. They saw everyone just start celebrating. So joined in. Uh, Thomas O'Sully with Where's My Ankle? Yeah, I think my shins are still in pain. <laughs> um, like walking here was a bit, was, was a bit, really a bit of a struggle from Piccadilly Circus. It's, um, not an e- it's not an easy life uh, watching Fulham away. It's not. Especially the last two ones. I think we've used our limbs for the season now. Because, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, on, on Instagram we had JackK91 with Love a Shithouse and Tiff seemed to love that phrase as well. Uh, we had Alf or a Bonnie with He's Only 17. And then on Facebook, we had Richard Dean with KMAC captain, which I think was quite apt because I thought it wasn't necessarily a great performance, but I thought he did he did well leading. And we've obviously spoke about how we believe KMAC has better leadership qualities than Kearney. Mm-hmm. And lastly, with Don Pickering, funny enough, another Don with 100% January, which 100% you put all touched January. on in the intro. I did indeed. There's well, some natural bias here, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's only two Doms out of six. <laughs> it's only a third. Out of the hundreds that come in, he's if, only gone and picked Doms. If I'm ever secretary, I'm going to pick all the ones with Farrell in the, in the yeah, name. Yeah, we, we get loads of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just to say that this season, Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. Right now, Fulhamish listeners can bet £5, get £20. If you deposit a fiver, Ladbrokes are going to add another £20 to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. So it was a sweet fourth victory in a row for Fulham uh, only the second time since uh, the year 2000 that we've ever managed to do that as last minute drama once again sees us nick all three points on the road and this time Barnsley were the victims of the late show as I mentioned uh, Farrell uh, Slav named an unchanged side from the one that beat Burton 6-0 despite Matt Target arriving on loan uh, on the Monday uh, I guess that made sense considering the total demolition of Burton yeah um, I think we pretty much called it uh, last week uh, on the pod that it would be very surprising for for Slavisa to change it up at really, all. Really though, no Slavisa. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. But you know, it would have been surprising nonetheless. The only the only thing that we saw that might happen would be Target coming in for a doy. But yeah, it was probably the right call, despite the first half performance. Um, we did start slowly, but I don't think the performance in the first half has anything to do with 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 us i think the the performance was mainly on barnsley's terms i've not seen a team close down fulham that well so high up the pitch uh, and so successfully um for a long long time now and the work rate and the effort of the barnsley players and the anticipation was excellent and it it made it made us look a bit jittery, understandably. Drew, Barnsley very much took advantage of the conditions. It was a blustery pitch there at Oakwell on Saturday and and Fulham's defence was struggling really to, to keep the ball. And as Farrell alluded to, uh, they were doing very well at closing us down and Keith Moore giving us plenty of problems up front with his physicality. Yeah, I think uh, Barnsley, we, we've always come out on top since we've been back down in the in the championship and I don't think they, because of that, they don't get enough credit for uh, their performances against us at points during uh, the games that we played them in. They can be quite industrious and we saw that uh, in the first half. Dom, uh, Barnsley made their dominance pay though. Their slight dominance. I wouldn't say it was a complete one-sided affair in the first half, but they certainly were on top and they took the lead 
through Liam Lindsay. Uh, looked like a foul, Marcus Bestinelli. No, by no, Matty no, Pearson. no, it's not a foul. I'm, if anyone who says it's a foul, just no, it's it not looks a foul. like a foul it's at not, the time. It's not really. F- I saw it and I was like, that's not a foul because I know I hate doing this sort of comparison, but if that's between two centre mids 30 yards out from goal, that is not in any way. No one even complained that's foul. I don't know why Bettinelli is so enraged because. I don't. I, it's not like he's obstructing him. The, the player is just happens to be standing there, and he's getting out of the way of the ball. And Benin happens to be in a bad position in the goal, and it goes in. I didn't think it was a foul. I thought it was just bad marking, bad defending overall. And I think, How about offside then? I, I, I don't think I didn't really have an issue with the goal. I had an issue with our defending for the goal. I yeah, thought it was, it was awfully just awful, basically. <laughs> um, but. You know, they deserve that because they were all over us, I'd say, in the first half, really. I didn't think... It was all over us. I didn't I really, quite get that I impression. Didn't, I didn't really feel like we were offering anything. No. But I felt like they were. And at half-time... It, but then it's been like the same half-time as it was at Hull, the same half-time it was at Middlesbrough. I thought we'd been absolutely awful. Or we didn't deserve anything in the game and like, why haven't we woken up yet? But then again, in the second half, we improved. I just, and it's it, as good as our results have been, you've got a question... Why aren't we playing so well in the first half? Because it used to it used to be that we do really well in this first half. Then the first five minutes after the second half, we wouldn't turn up and be in a losing position in the game sometimes. So I think if we could just play good for ninety minutes away from home, that'd really help. Sometimes we don't look up to the challenge. That was what I thought in the first half against Barnsley. Just we look a little bit complacent. We've done that so many times this season where we kind of go into games at you know how in football warm-ups you do like 60% sprints, 80% sprints? And part of me sometimes feels like Fulham are going at like 80, 85%. I don't think they're just completely not trying, but just kind of going into the game, taking time to ease into it. And when you go somewhere like Oakwell, and it, it was difficult conditions on Saturday, you were always going to get a little bit punished from a slow start like that. Yeah, and, and I think Barnsley did punish us slightly, coupled with us starting slightly slower than usual, but... I think also Barnsley were probably jeered up by the emotional uh, scenes of the day as well and they were desperate to get a win for their former owner. Um, And Barnsley did capitalise and obviously things didn't pan out for them that way because I could only, if you're looking at the first half performance base, just just looking at Barnsley, um, there was only one winner in it at that day. But I wouldn't say it's a thing to do with, with us because I would say that usually what happens is that Fulham do huff and puff straight from the off. I think as well, this, this is fast becoming a hallmark of the team this season is that we can, we can get the results, whereas last season we wouldn't necessarily have got them. So if we're, if we're sort of taking a while to grow into a game and it, you know, it takes us 45 minutes and we're down at the break, you, you are now having a bit more confidence that actually we're going to be able to sort of grow into it in the second half and turn it around, whereas last time it was very much, you know, heads, not, not necessarily heads down, but we, we, we'd struggle to then sort of find a way back in if, if we went down uh, more, you know, quite often. So to, to, to see that, Again, happen again this uh, against Barnsley is, is ple- all the more pleasing when once the final whistle's gone. Um, moment of madness though changed the game once again. A bit like the Ipswich game where Ipswich, I'd say, were one nil up and looking quite comfortable uh, and looking on course for the win. Jordan Spence has a moment of madness against Abubakar Kamara, and that's exactly what you can say for Kavar on uh, Kavare on on Saturday. Just just shoves Steph Joe straight in front of the referee. He's not trying to even get away with it. It's just red mist come down. And once again, luckily, it's happened to the opposition and it's massively fallen in our favour. I mean, obviously I missed it. I was in the concourse. I, I actually spotted that Dom left at about 37 minutes. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> good effort. But I mean, yeah, when I saw it back on the highlights when I watched it, I was like, what are you doing? Like, It's not like... It, and he was on a yellow card as well. Like, if he wasn't on a yellow card, he, he may be like, oh, I can get away with a yellow card by pushing Steph Joe here. But he pushes Steph Joe, who then headbutts the other Barnsley player in I front of him. I think it's Matty Pearson. Yeah, and I was like, what, 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 what is going through your head? Well, it's quite, well, it is a little bit cynical from Steph Joe. He, he does kick out. A little bit cynical. Well, okay, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's that bias a, is that, big yeah, there, yeah. That is, I mean, that's an excellent challenge. <laughs> I'd be proud of that one. I mean, he's trying let to... Let him know you're there. That's what he did. Let, yeah, let him know there. Yeah, and he's trying to stop the counter-attack. He's, he's, uh, he's done, he did terribly. To, I mean, it's the effort rather than actually uh, execution. But um, you can see the reaction from all the Barnsley players. They're like, oh... He's done a terrible thing here, and they were quick to remind. Uh, well, Matty Pearson's there trying to stick up for Kabar to, to the referee, and then he just kind of sees what he does to Steph Joe out the corner of his eye, and he goes, 
Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I, I always say, if you're going to get sent off, you know, make it make it worthwhile. It reminded me of uh, Andy Cole at Hawthorns for us back in, what, 2004, mm. when he, had, he was throwing those haymakers. You think, <laughs> if you're going to go, like, go in a blaze of glory. Yeah. But how, how on earth is it a second yellow? It's a straight red, it surely. It isn't a second yellow. This is what was uh, caught us out. Because he shows us a yellow to Steph Joe, oh. but he kind of waves it in Kavar's right. direction, it confused us all. And we were like, how is that, that just was, a yellow yeah. card? So no, it was actually a straight red. Are you sure? No, I'm sure it's a second yellow. No, I, well, that was what I... Because he waits third. until Steph Joe gets up and shows him the yellow card. I'm pretty sure it was just... It was a straight red, but we can maybe try and clear this up later on. Get on your phones, boys. Get on the phones, get on the phones, see what we Mine's can find. Mine's charging in the corner somewhere, so but I yeah, can't be you, it, if, if you are right, Drew, and I'm wrong, then yeah, how Full, on earth is that just a, uh, yeah, a second yellow? Fulham website, is, Fulham website is reporting second yellow on the stats, but... Uh, your flash, yeah, flash scores have said yellow, Steph, Joe, direct red. Okay, well, there you go. The jury, his jury's out split. <laughs> I guess we need to contact the ref, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he's the only one, and he's probably going to change his mind. Can we just right remind Cavare then? Just ask him, he'll know. Yeah, yeah he yeah. will know. Um... Massive advantage that we managed to play a second half uh, against 10 men. And, and Fulham did everything right, really, um, in the second half. Obviously, you'd have been worried that Barnsley would just put their 10 men behind the ball and it would have been difficult to break down. But we managed to get a very quick equaliser. Unbelievable work from Ryan Fredericks there. Two nutmegs. He deserved the goal there. I felt so sorry for him in a weird way, although obviously it ended up in the net, so I didn't care for too long. I think, and it was really nice to see because he's had a, a lot of interest in him, in, or the papers say he has had a lot of interest in him in January, and the reaction I've seen from some to the sort of potential departure seemed sort of surprisingly lukewarm. So it was nice to see for him to show us a little bit of, uh, you know, what he can do and remind us a little bit. And I, I've always said, you know, we, we don't have many problems up uh, that for that side Um so, I mean, I've always thought of him as a capable player. So it was nice to him show a little bit of extra flair and, and take a little bit of uh, of credit for setting up Seth. Um, have you ever seen two nutmegs consecutively like that? Well, I didn't, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we get you on the podcast? As, unless it happens in the half an hour in between the game. Yeah, just useless at this. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, I, I don't... I think what Fredericks does there is... I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just like ridiculous or just bad defending or what, but it was just when I watched it back on the highlights, I was like, because I saw the highlight of him doing it, but I didn't realise it was actually next to the goal because the video of what I saw cut out after he did the double nutmeg. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so he's just done a Frederick, done something spectacularly on the on the wing, cutting inside, and then hasn't got the end product. But then obviously it ends up falling to Session, who, as we said, now in playing left wing. It just shows he's he was in the right position when he's playing left back, but now Sessegnon's moved all the way up to left wing. It's just gonna prove a lot a lot more fruitful for us because he yes yeah, so I don't know if people mentioned it, but he doesn't score screamers. No, he does not score screamers. He apart from maybe his, the Sheffield United one. Yeah, oh, no, but that's, just, yeah, but that's just, just not his style. Not that's the, not his style though. though. No. I do agree. Still not a screamer though, is it? The Sheffield United one. It's a good goal, but I doesn't. Ca- I know exactly what you mean. He's a magnet. The ball just seems to drop to him. It's Kevin Phillips-style knowledge of where where it needs to be. And also, um, he's such an accomplished finisher at such a young age. Like, I I can't I can't really remember a time where he's had a real sort of like good, good chance and hasn't had a decent effort on goal. Whereas nine times out of ten, he scores. Mm. And Ben put it far more eloquently than I could last week, but his his intelligence and he's getting sharper and sharper. Like before, at the beginning of the season, I remember a couple of balls fizzing along the, the box in the very same positions and him not necessarily getting to them. Uh, and now he's now he's now he's a magnet for him, as you say. So he's he's only getting better. It's obviously a little bit of luck. You can't anticipate where Frederick's shot off the post is gonna to fall to him. But as you say, Farrell, I think it's that finishing ability that Whilst other players might have been luckily lucking being in the right position, he just finishes them nine times out of ten without any fuss. It's it's, it's clinical actually, and an ice cold. Yeah, absolutely. For someone that started out as a left back, such a clinical finisher is an amazing ability to have. And in those situations, like for example, the, the ones uh, last week, he just took a touch where he needed to be and it was straight out of his feet and got it in. There's no fuss. Almost like a seasoned championship striker. It's that clinical sort of finishing in front of goal that means that he more often than not gets braces rather than single goals as mm. well, which is also... I mean, he's got 11 for the season now and 15 is the top scorer in the championship. I mean, it is actually genuinely possible. He, I, mean, I don't think it will because at the end of the day, he isn't a striker and just naturally not that many chances will fall to him 
as strikers in the championship, but he's it isn't beyond the realms of possibility. And the whole thing's just utterly mad. He's going to be in that conversation uh, to come the end of the season. Whether he's top or not, it, it remains to be seen. But he'll be, he'll be there and thereabouts. I've seen a bookie offering 20 to 1 for him to be on the plane. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'd oh. save your money, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. You never know with injuries. I mean, stranger things have happened you with, with you know, yeah. Jack Colback got a call up. Well, exactly. Um, let's come on to uh, the tribute in the 66th minute. A wonderful uh, moment, really. I think um, us lucky enough to be there uh, to see it was was amazing. Uh, to the late Patrick Klein, shining a light for the late Barnsley owner uh, and the guys that do the uh, Reds Report podcast, which is basically the main Barnsley FC podcast, um, messaged me on Saturday just saying they wanted to thank the Fulham fans for, for taking part. Um, I think pretty much the whole stand uh, around me was all uh, holding their phones up and it really was something magic uh, to see. It very nearly spurred Barnsley on to an unlikely win and they had a few chances uh, with 10 men. Uh, who was your man that uh, came very close to scoring? Brian yeah. Hedges yeah. went on a mazy run uh, around 15 minutes from the end and deserved better. I thought Barnsley actually genuinely could have won it. They had a few opportunities, few corners. Yeah, and it's it's like what we said. Um, they just don't get that sort of uh, the credit that they deserve. And, and you can tell, you know, sometimes I always remember the uh, the Johnny Haynes game uh, against uh, Chelsea or Liverpool, wasn't it? Back Liverpool. In Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. And and the crowd really can sort of give you that extra extra yard or give you that extra sort of bit of a uh, bit of power that you need to try and to try and get the vic- the result that you need. So uh, it it could, could it could have completely happened. But Barnsley also just did quite well down to 10 men. Although they conceded the early equaliser, they just had quite a good resolve and were kind of forcing Fulham to just shoot from long range. What I felt that Fulham were really missing was the magic of Tom Kearney, who could have potentially unlocked the Barnsley defence. There also was that, but I did think we had had some very good chances anyway. I think the goalkeeper, bar his time-wasting, did play really, really well. Oh, God, it was horrendous. Um, I think the chance I remember vividly was the Abubakar Kamara header, which is going straight in the bottom corner, and then his his hand just appeared out of nowhere. I think, actually, it wasn't Abubakar who got his head to that. It was Rui Font's knee. (laughs) But it was an amazing (laughs) save. If If you haven't seen it, it sounds very bizarre that kind of phrase where you've gone like, oh, it might have hit that guy's head or that guy's knee. Looks, like, it yeah. looks as a boob. I think from where it was in the stand, it looked like Kamara had got his head to it. But actually, I think lastly, came off of Rufon's knee. But it was an amazing save from Davies. But still, I feel like that was one of the only few yeah, clear-cut chances we had. We had like, a lot of possession in and around their area. But we just didn't know what to do with the ball. Mm. Once we got it there, we were like, oh, we've got a ball here now. What do we do? Uh, with Kenny was there, you might have seen the final ball, but I didn't feel like the way we were playing and how deep they were sitting back that a Kenny ball round the back of the fence was the best option. I actually mm. think the best option for us was going down the flanks and whipping the ball in. Mm. Although Kenny would have helped and his, his creative influence is obviously massively missed whenever he's not playing, I thought that it was we were always going to be scoring goals either from a set piece or from from the wide from from a wide position because that was where we were most dangerous i think yeah i do i do agree and i think that that's just the the whole tight intricate play on the edge of the box when a team is sitting deep just doesn't suit our three midfielders uh steph joe k mac and um norwood they're more sort of driving force than the team driving into space as uh, especially norwood and norwood does like to play balls from deep rather than you know, th- through the eye of the needle stuff, which is kind of more Kearney's, you know, don't, you don't need me to tell you, but that's more Kearney's kind of style of play, really, trying to get that ball in between the fullback and centre-back or finding little pockets of space. But also lots of long shot opportunities were falling to Fulham because Barnsley was sitting so deep, but more often than not, they were falling to Kevin McDonald, who, whilst he scored a spectacular goal uh, to win <laughs> it for Fulham, uh, shooting from 25 yards isn't really... Uh, his domain. Um, Matty Target came on for Dennis Adoy. Dennis had a bit of a rough first half, to be honest. Struggled to cope with the conditions. Uh, but I thought Matt Target looked decent. He loves a, he loves whipping an early cross. Yeah, if only they reach one of our players. Um, but <laughs> I, I th- thought he was close on a few of them. No, I, th- I thought what I liked is he looked more defensively sound mm. than anything else. Like, and that's what you kind of want down that left flank because you want Sessegnon to have the freedom to attack in the way he likes to attack. And if you have a more defensively stable left back, you're always going to see that. Again, you, it's his first like game in a while because he hasn't been playing a lot for Southampton. He hasn't been playing a lot for the under-23s. 
So he, he's only going to get better. But I thought, yeah, he looked good. I just thought, obviously, his end product can improve, but he could have pretty much any Fulham fullback. So I think, yeah, it was decent. It was a decent debut, and I, I'm going to expect things to get better for him. He also seemed to be quite passionate about it early doors. And I know it's easy to get passionate when a team wins, but he just looked like he slotted straight into the Fulham team. He just looks like he's going to be a decent addition if it's only six months at least. I'm really excited to see how the relationship between him and Seth does develop in the next four months because we've seen his match fit. We've seen that he's ready to come in. Uh, I, I think a lot of us are still sort of pinching ourselves in a way to think that we've probably seen the last of Seth at left back, um, which you know you couldn't definitively say until, until hopefully now. So I think overall it's... Uh, if it's our only move of the window, you know it's not ideal, but it's not. It could turn out to be sort of a little, a little bit of a masterstroke if it well, works out. If the transfer window shuts now, I'll be very happy. Kept all our players, added a very good addition. There might be some, you know, holes we might might need to plug, but well, all know, in all, I'm very happy. We know how hard the January transfer window is to get actual quality, especially in the Championship. I know you've seen players like Mkhitaryan and Alexis Sanchez move in, in, in Premier League but those sort of big transfers don't happen in the Championship really unless it's a reserve player in a Championship team who's currently not playing because he's out of favour and then but would slot into your team and I think the players we're looking at are players who are first team players in other Championship teams or teams who are chasing promotion in their in their respective leagues and they're not going to come to us they're not going to let one of their best players go like we're not letting our best players mm. go the reason why we're not letting Sess and Kearney go is because they're so key to the way we play and that's probably the reason why if we were after a centre-back or a goalkeeper or a forward from one of these other teams they wouldn't come I think people looked at Gale because he's not getting the chance at Newcastle the only chance we have got is buying players who aren't getting uh, first team football at their current club and that's why Sheffield Wednesday centre sort of just send out half their strikers on loan because they've suddenly, these strikers suddenly realise well I ain't getting a game because there's 10 other decent championship strikers here. <laughs> well, we'll come on a bit more to uh, some of the transfers going out in a second. Just want to finish off the Barnsley game first. Um, we did do- dig deep. Five minutes of injury time. I felt weirdly confident when, uh, when the assistant put up five minutes on the board. I just thought that's enough time for us to get a winner here I just had that positive feeling there was something in the air I don't know if I quite expected the goal to come out in the circumstances it did uh, deep cross from Fredericks the amount of goals that have been contributed from that right hand side in the past few weeks nearly all the goals from Burton came from the right and then pretty much all three goals uh, from the right as well on Saturday uh Deep cross, knee skins with another ropey assist. <laughs> he loves those. I don't know what Davies and Bar- the Barnsley goal is doing. He should have just tipped it over the bar. It just seemed really obvious, but he kind of just tipped it into the air. And then Kevin McDonald on the floor just managed to scoop it in the net. And you can quite clearly see from the angle that Fulham posted on their Twitter earlier that it, it was a good couple of feet over the line. I mean, you could probably turn up from the back of the stand. I, I genuinely couldn't tell at the time. I was like, I mean, obviously, I, being, I had no idea if it was obviously in. being in the front row. It probably helped. But I was like, well, that's just clearly in the goal. And then, but I thought it, that was just wonderful. I thought it was going to be another absolutely awful, undeserved. Well, maybe not undeserved. Maybe it was not as undeserved as Middlesbrough, but like last minute winner again. And then. Obviously, it, I was like, it's just beautiful how bad that goal was. <laughs> like, if you're gonna it's win, so unfulham, isn't it? If you're gonna win in the last minute, you want it to be an absolute dreadful goal because <laughs> it just makes it even better. And then, obviously, after that, we weren't expecting us to get a third. Which again, obviously, Sessegnon's in the right position at the right time, but. When the cross comes in, I is it from, is it Fredericks who whips it? In? It's a Cabano. Cabano, and I was like, what? What is their goalkeeper doing? I, I don't understand. The ball should never be allowed to come that far across no, the box. It's not, as slowly as it did, because it wasn't exactly like a whipping yeah, ball. Yeah, I'm saying he doesn't whip it in. He sort of just it sort of just strolls through and ba- just sort of bounces all the way to Cecil, and he's just got a tap in from a couple of yards out. And then obviously, if you're a bit further in the back of the end, you actually have seen the goal. I just saw a ball hit the back of a net, and I was like, oh, oh. it was utter car- it was utter carnage in the stands. What what was your view on the uh, on the goals, Drew? Well, with the with the second, you can just sort of see exactly what this this developing run means to the to the players. They're going to stick anything they can they can in front of the ball just to get it over the line. And I, I think you could tell that. And I, I enjoyed uh, Niskan's had a bit of a ropey assist as you mentioned, but for the third, it was it was good to see him get uh, another one because he's he's uh, 
he's a bit of a driving force. And I thought when he came on, it was he, he did well when he did well when he came on actually. So it was nice to see him in and amongst him once again, just really driving things forward. But you know, I think you could just tell that they didn't want to leave Oakwell without getting that 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 fourth consecutive win in a row. Even when you would have said before the game that you know a point away from home at any ground in the championship really is a, is is a decent point. And four wins on the bounce now, Farrell. We've really, you know, hit our stride in in January. Not only with some, you know, big wins on the road that maybe not so deserved, but that coupled with some amazing performances at home. I mean, we knew the promotion race was on, but now we're in the playoffs. There's that psychological barrier that we've taken down, and it's only January. We now need to, I guess, establish ourselves in those playoff positions and trying to make, try and make it comfortable. Well, yeah, I just I just fear what might happen is what what, what happened at roughly the same stage last year was we went on a bit of a run and we started to play. We had a couple of easier, winnable games. You know, again, I think last season it was Blackburn and Wolves, and we we faltered and. Mm. It's the other 95% of games where you're playing the teams at the bottom. and Can you do it against those teams? Which is probably where we came unstuck a little bit last year. I mean, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. That was, there was a run of four games coming up. And we've now won two of we've those. We've won two of those. And I think I said, like, 10 points is the absolute minimum here because then our next four games against teams who at the time were all in the top six. And obviously, we've got six out of six so far. We've got Forest at home coming up who obviously we should be. And we've got Bolton away, who although our, our record at Bolton isn't the greatest, you'd expect us to put in a good performance and get a result there. At the end of the day, though, we are going to fall to somewhere, No, we? we are going to fall to somewhere, but you, you'd rather fall against teams who are your... Not, I, say it's, I know it's bad to lose against teams you're playing, but you'd rather lose to a team who beat you fair and square because they're mm. a good team. You want to lose because it's the opposition being good, not you mm. faltering and being yeah. bad. The, the dynamic's changing now, I think. We're top of the form table for the past six games, but actually we're top of the form table if you take the last 12 games into consideration. So that's the Sheffield United game at Bramall Lane. Since then, we are top of the championship form table. And the dynamic swi- is going to switch now because teams are going to try and frustrate us home and away. We've mentioned it already before, but when you're in that position where you're, you're punching downwards instead of up, you know how do you, how do you sort of cope with that? How do our players cope with that? But... It's not. This isn't a flash in the pan run. This isn't just a few cobbled together wins. This is this is a sustained run. So yeah, we're not going to win every game, but I have no reason to suspect that it's, we're going to come crashing down to earth just yet. Yeah, even well, if you extend that to the last fifteen, the only two teams who've who've got better form than us is the top two in Derby mm-hmm. and Wolves. And we're only two. We only had two points less than Derby in the last fifteen games. Well, that's the thing we've got to you know be a slightly wary about. That you know last season we had an amazing run too but a lot of the teams above us were faltering quite a lot. Yeah. It does seem to be that all the teams above us are still performing consistently Yeah, because I mean, we, look, we looked at our run last season. Yes, it's a great run, but we don't get there if Leeds just don't absolutely capitulate. Yeah. Because like, although we were amazing in the games we played up until the playoffs, uh, Leeds were dreadful and dropped. I think they were like over 10 points ahead of us yeah. when, we, when we drew to them at Craven Cottage. So... Although yeah, we need to just continue this run and although you need to be looking at the scenes above you, we just need to be focusing on our game. Well, that's what Slavisa always comes out and says. Look, I'm not looking at other teams. I'm just focusing on Fulham. I'm focusing on yeah. the games ahead of us. We're going to go out and win and, the games and just hopefully things will fall for us. We, we talked about these four games against the four teams in the bottom half, but then the four games after are just as important because it, it, it's although it's easier to maybe beat teams like below you, the, the, the teams you're playing around you are more important because then you're gaining points where they're losing you're points. You're making more ground up, yeah. Absolutely. And that, that's, that's, where, that's where it's going to be vile. And the four games, I think it's against Bristol, Villa, Derby, Sheffield United. And, and yeah, we've, we're playing so many teams in and around us. Maybe I wouldn't say Wolves are in and around us, but no. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just so key to be getting points over. Like if we, if we beat Derby away, let's say, that's huge hmm. because although I think top two is out of our reach, just about but just because I can't see the, the teams dropping that many points mm. if we if we, we need to start beating the teams around us and obviously we have a run of fixtures where we can do that and if we do that we can because we're playing teams who in my opinion they've played well this season but I don't think they'll, they will be as good as they are the te- a team team like Bristol and a team like Sheffield United mm. although they've been great this season and they deserve to be where they are I, I you, you expect them to drop off whereas teams such as Derby Villa Wolves and stuff you, you know they're not going to drop off because they're big teams and you know they're going to stay in around there 
And they've got big squads as well to back up. Well, we're into into the playoffs until Tuesday at the very least. Uh, with Villa and Sheffield United playing each other tomorrow, it's still uh, very likely that we could be sixth come Saturday. And all the teams in and around us uh, have difficult fixtures. Uh, I think Leeds are Leeds have definitely got a difficult game as do Middlesbrough. The, the fixtures have escaped me now, but it will be interesting to see uh, what the position is come Saturday. Uh, so right now we've got a big uh, Fulhamish announcement. We announced this on Twitter earlier. Uh, we've got a huge interview coming up with a Fulham legend. Uh, myself, Jack and Farrell uh, were on the phone talking to the legend that is Breda Hangland. Uh, it was an absolute honour. Uh, to chat to him last week and the podcast is going to be out uh, on Wednesday afternoon he discussed his love of Roy Hodgson the great escape um, and his ultimate exit from Fulham as well uh, but of course we had to discuss that triumphant European run uh, and here's a little clip of Breda right now talking about that final test against Atletico in my mind it was a fantastic run but we should have won it uh, and that's that's the feeling I always have when I think about it because had we gone to penalties I would have backed us uh, even mm, though they yeah. had a good keeper I think we had a fantastic keeper I think Mark Schwarzer on penalties he would have done something and we had good good penalty takers obviously it makes so, no sense to, to, to think back and what if yeah. and, uh, and all that stuff but uh, we came really close and, and we gave uh, we gave a great account of ourselves um, had I only started running a little bit before it could have been a different story so as you can hear Breda was on absolute top form uh, when we chatted to him it's about 45 minutes long uh, it really is worth listening to, uh, booking some time out later this week. Um, he's so frank. He's so honest. He's such a humble man, uh, but so interesting as well. He really gave up a great chunk of time to chat to us, and he had so much love for the Fulham fans, and I'm excited to see him uh, at the cottage this Saturday. He's going to be there for the Forest game. So that podcast will be available on your favourite podcast app uh, this Wednesday at 2 p.m. UK time. So it'll be available early morning if you're over in the States and uh, late at night as well uh, if you're over in Oz as well. So plenty of chance for you to listen to it before the Forest game. Uh, when you listen to it, it's, uh, and uh, I was kind of thinking while he was talking that it's almost as if he's a Fulham fan himself while he's talking. It's certainly worth a listen. Yeah, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah, he was exceptional. We'll, we'll have to make him a regular if he wants it. <laughs> All right, well, coming up, we're going to be chatting uh, about Forest. There's no Fulhamish Extra this week because Breda Hangland is pretty much the Fulhamish Extra. Uh, so we're going to be discussing Forest, uh, but just a little bit of transfer chat now. The transfer window shuts on Wednesday, slams shut, as Sky would say. Matty Target remains the only player that Fulham have signed uh, in this window. And, and Drew alluded earlier that it wouldn't be a disaster if uh, Target was the only player that came in uh, in January. But I imagine many Fulham fans would be disappointed uh, if that's the case. Um, how many players do you expect to see, though, come in before Wednesday night? If you had to put your prediction Fulham transfer hat on, which is a difficult game to play, but well, let's play it anyway. Well, I mean, if history says anything, and I can't remember who put the, the stats together, but we signed most of our players on transfer deadline day. It was MJG, actually. Yeah, MJG. So, um, yeah, so maybe we'll see, what, another 15 or so coming mm -hmm. in on Wednesday? Yeah, can't wait. Whole new squad. Uh, yeah, why not? But uh, like I said earlier, I'll be very happy if, if it shuts now. Blooms. What about centre-back, though? I still feel like we're a little bit bare there. I still feel that a lone move in defence. I feel like target coming in is given is probably put paid to that in a way because then the door is going to be cover for centre-back, I think. Mm. I think. I think that's enough reason for anyone up there to say... No, we'll leave would that. You trust, would you trust a centre-back partnership of Callas and Adoy? Well, it worked earlier on in the season. There were a few times when Adoy slotted in in place of Callas. And no, I but it's, it's, it's Reem that I'm more worried about, though, that ball-playing centre-back. Mm. Would you trust a, a Callas-Adoy partnership? But I then you've got to find was. someone who's got to be similar, though. You know, you're never going to get, at this level, a, a good enough uh, footballing-playing centre-back as Tim Reem. I mean, he's mm. he's playing at the level that he should be getting into... We're at, the FIFA Pro yeah, World we're, Eleven. We're at we're at we're at a point where that we there's no purpose in signing a player if he's not actually going to affect the team in Absolutely any way. Absolutely agree. There's no point signing a player for the sake of signing a player because we might need it in like squad depth. Let's say, like I think centre back, it would be nice to have one, but I'm not expecting us to sign pretty much anyone because I don't see apart from, literally apart from centre back and as I say every single week a goalkeeper <laughs> like, I don't see the need to sign anyone I think our squad depth is perfectly good we've got apart from 
with Target now coming in, then we've kind of got the cover at centre back in Dennis Adoy and, like, and Callas and Reem. You know, they're not necessarily like injury prone players. And, and so unless they get like two footed by someone, I can't really see them pick, picking up mm. an injury. And I think, although I would have liked to see a centre back because I think Callas has been quite poor this season, that it's not major because, again, it's a bit like last season. We're scoring enough goals to sort of overlook how poor the defence is sometimes. I think if you had to put money on one player coming in and just because there's been so much uh, chat around this position, it would probably be somebody up top. I have no idea who... But I just feel like probably, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's not really been anyone linked to us in terms of a defender. And there's been loads of, you know, loads of strikers being linked. So I'd imagine that if, if something was to happen, it would be that. But I, I honestly think I, I honestly think nothing will happen. Yeah. I'd, 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 Do you really? Yeah, I'd agree. I still feel I, like there's one more in the locker. I think because we lost, uh, especially as we lost Graham. Mm. And big lost Michael Mardle. Big loss. I know, but like, just in terms of numbers. Yeah, true. Um, it's, but like, if you go back to last season, I don't know. We we lost like two or three players um, at the same time. We bought kind of squad players in as well. So, I mean, this time there was an opportunity to get Matthew Target, in, which is a, which is a great signing. And I think maybe Slavisa's thinking, now he's got complete control of transfers, apparently. Um, he's probably thinking, just because the transfer window's open, let's, you know, he's not saying, let's let some people in. And it's also like with any job, if you go to your bosses and saying, I want, I want more resources, they're like, well, what are you doing with the ones that you've got? I mean, well, there's, there's breaking news in, in the transfer rumour world, apparently, now. Apparently, Stefano Okaka might be making a return. No I, way. I, this, has come from, would, this has come from Dean Jones. So. I would love that. He's he's got talent. The boy's got talent. I mean, he's he's certainly he's not flourished at Watford, but when he has played, he's done really well. But you know, people have been signed ahead of him, and I think he would absolutely tear up the championship. He's, he, and he's just a nuisance up front. Yeah, well, so is Kamara. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I told you they'd be a striker, didn't I? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is literally hot off the press. That was two minutes ago. Fulham fans remember Stefano Akaka. Seems he might be heading back. Well, I'd take that. Also, yeah, that, um, that would work. Is it Ruben Rashina? Rakina? The guy, yeah, the guy who's played for Blackburn came to the Barcelona Academy, currently playing in Spain, I believe. And I mean, it would be nice because he could probably slot into midfield. It's nice to have more options there, but he's not a player who's going to. I don't think he would affect our run for the end of the season. I don't think he's that sort of player. He's a player who's nice having the squad, but like another option to play in in the attacking midfield positions. But it's not like, as I said, it's I only want to sign players who are actually going to affect the team. There's no point. Just signing players for the sake. Oh, he looks like a decent player. Let's get him in. But no, mm. no, no. Just sign players who you know are going to help us and affect and affect our team for the rest of the season. Well, even in absence, uh, Ben Jarman's making an impact on the podcast. He said, "If we talk about Rashina tonight, please can someone mention the absolute thunderbolt he scored against us for Blackburn, uh, and also the fact that he'd be a really tidy Championship player uh, and available for a decent fee." So it's got the Ben Jarman seal of approval. I think, well, because he's Spanish, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very easy. Yeah. Very easy to get the Ben Jarman seal of approval. No, it's really not. Okay, well, um, the transfers going out, though, have been more the topic of conversation, uh, especially in the national press uh, in the past few days. And Tom Kearney has been the topic of conversation. I guess they've uh, they've realised that Ryan Sessegnon's not going to happen after Tony Card made his statement. So the press have latched on to the possibility uh, of Kearney uh, moving to a Premier League club. West Brom was all the rage a few weeks ago. I think everyone quite quickly rubbished that that wouldn't really happen. But this West Ham rumour does seem to have more legs to it. Uh, and if rumours are to be believed, they've made a transfer bid in the region of £18 million. Uh, according to sources, Tom Kearney wants to go to West Ham, but it has been rejected by the club who have said that they're not going to accept any offer for him. I even uh, saw someone say they would turn down 40 million. I think they'd be a little bit nuts if they turned down 40 million personally. The only thing with um, what, what, what the West Ham link, I don't understand because he doesn't get into their team. He doesn't, he's not, he's not a better number 10 than Manuel Lanzini. Yeah. Joe Mario's just coming from Inter Milan on loan. They've got Obiang in midfield as well. Uh, so I don't, what West Brom, he would at least get into the team. But looking, looking at West Ham's team on, on paper, I hate looking at things on paper, but like he doesn't displace anyone in that centre midfield. So are you saying why would Kearney go or would why would West Ham want him? I think it's why would West Ham want him. I think yeah. Don makes an excellent point. You know, maybe it is a bit of hearsay here and there. Maybe it's Kearney's agent saying, let's, you know, I might have signed another contract last year, but 
I want another. And why, I want even bigger contract he, now. Now he's he signed a new contract, so why would he accept a lower bid than we supposedly rejected in the summer? Too yeah. many, too many things don't add up. And as well, the the club going out their way to to say it's an injury. Now, obviously, you know, if there's, there's smoke and mirrors and all this sort of stuff, you'd expect you know denials from the manager or whatnot. But but an outright denial, you know, he's not going to the club uh, to Barnsley because he's injured. These official comms, bar saying taking the Tony Khan route of saying with Seth, you know, he's not going. I just think I just think too many things don't don't add up with it at all. And obviously, you got to mention his comments last uh, earlier this month when he said, you know, I signed a contract extension in the summer, uh, and I can't do much more than that to commit my future to the club. You could think that it's a sort of a stick and twist scenario. You know, he's been waiting for the right Premier League t- club to come along, and maybe that is as simple as geographic location. He doesn't have to move from his nice new house that he's just got. Maybe he's looking at West Ham and saying, you know, okay, might not get in the team this season, but when Joe Mario goes back in the summer and Lanzini inevitably goes to a bigger team, maybe I'll get a chance in August. Or when they get relegated in May. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe. I guess also teams do flex their muscles in a sense. They go, right, let's put some feelers out in January mm. and put some press reports out there, and then that will leave what, them in what a I good don't position to so maybe try and West Ham made this £15 million bid, and then Fulham, supposedly, and then Fulham said, no, we won't really accept anything below 40, then they just make an 18 million pound bid that literally doesn't make sense well it's like a, it's a it's a it's a very astute negotiation tactic it's just, no, it's just most all West Ham it's just most West Ham negotiation tactics like oh let's just put an extra well that's what well, that's that's what Fulham are doing they're going they're actually they're not saying we wouldn't accept anything less than 40 million they're going we want 40 million and we're not going any less than it's that because not, not, they just want more money and it's not about it's not about how good Kenny is it's how critical he is to the it's team, the team yeah. and we don't have if he signs now we literally have a day to replace him or two days to replace him we, which is genuinely ridiculous and, you, and in, in this time every club is just going to inflate the transfer fee of any player we want if his knee is that bad though maybe we should sell him and he then would, take he him would and take medical. this isn't a Bullard situation is it really I think I think uh, he he's young enough he's, he's going to be He's going to recover from whatever it is that he's going on at the moment. Once it's been properly uh, diagnosed, I'm, I'm fully uh, confident about that. I think it just comes down to, and we've said it before, there's no value in the January transfer window. So it is what Dom says, it's how crucial is Tom Kearney to us. That's the value that he has on his head, and that's how much we should be demanding. And somebody just texted me as we we're talking saying, oh, turning down 18 million, that's ballsy. And it pisses me off because it is obvious. It is, it is not... It's pennies to us. It's pennies in terms of what he's worth to us at the moment. We we spoke about whenever it was a few weeks ago about the differences in between a value and what's worth because his his what he's worth to Fulham is something like forty million if he's going to get us goals to go out to the Premier League, but his his actual his value is something that could be very very different. Yeah, worth and value obviously are so different things. And like if we, there's just no sense in us selling him. They're just. I, I, if, if we don't get promoted, I wouldn't. I'd have no issue with him leaving in the summer because mm. he's in the pro, he's in his prime and he has he's probably got maybe three, four years max on where he's at his best, if that. And so I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him going to a Premier League team in the summer. But if obviously we don't get promoted, but I don't see the point in him going now, especially to a team like West Ham. As I said, he wouldn't get into their midfield. I think it's just people just looking at certain things and over exaggerating it and I think he will be, he will still be a Fulham player come February the 1st and I don't I don't see why everyone was up in arms about it I mean we have what apart from Ipswich what game this season has he actually been critical to us not saying that that's the reason why we should let him go or anything but so it's showing this season we're be, it's different we're adapting to his absence and we're playing a bit better because obviously we don't know what to do at the beginning because you're like okay we're back in a few weeks but it clearly wasn't like that so I think we're just like no he's got a worth for us I know he's not playing now but when he when he is fit he changes the way we play he makes us a lot more dynamic going forward so I think these rumours are just because like there's no I don't think there's actually been a credible I'd say a credible source that's Mm. like said this it's just sky sources which is just anything they read on Twitter well at the end of the day you know, newspapers, TV channels, they have column inches and minutes yeah. to fill. And it's its a lovely rumour. It gets the West Ham fans excited. As uh, There probably was some speculation from an agent and, and someone saying that uh, Kearney would like a move to West Ham. Of course he would. Of mm. course he'd like a move yeah, to West Ham because it's a Premier League club and an established Premier League club with a big stadium and, and a famous name. And at the moment, Fulham are a championship team. Of course he'd like a move. But I imagine that Tom Kearney is professional enough to realise that he signed a contract, he's in this situation. I don't think he's there tearing his hair out or he's going to be going down to Motspur Park uh, tomorrow and handing in a transfer request. I just think 
it's an obvious question. Would you like to move to, you know, would I mm. like to play for Man United? Yeah, I wouldn't mind. You, you look at it, and you look at it on a human level as well. Don't worry, I'm not leaving Farrell. <laughs> if you look, I won that host chair. <laughs> he's eyeing it up. If you look at it at a human level, you know, we talk about the links and the friendships going on in the squad. Like, he is not going to jostle for a move in January and put the noses out of joint of all of his friends at the club because they're all mates and you can tell they're all mates. So, uh, it, to say, like, oh, Tom Kearney wants to move but he's accepted he's going to stay, I, I really don't think he's going to be trying to trying to piss any of his chums off. And, and, you know, apart from anything else, he's going to have to get somebody to re-upholster his pool table because he's got the championship letters on there. So, you know, stay put, Tom. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what he's thinking about most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although a Clarup pool table would look lovely. Stop it. <laughs> right, um, we need to move on to uh, Forest as they are our next opponents on Saturday. Uh, we're looking for a fifth straight consecutive league victory. If we pulled that off, it would be the first time we've won five on the bounce since September 2000. Quite a remarkable stat. I don't actually know what the stat would be for six consecutive home wins. Uh, that must be going back even further than that. Uh, we face a Forest side who have been hugely inconsistent of late, sometimes terrible, sometimes brilliant. Uh, wins over Arsenal in the Cup, as I'm sure you all watched, and uh, and at Wolves at Molyneux uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but you level that with defeats to Sunderland and Hull uh, in recent weeks. The Hull one actually was on Saturday. They dumped out the Cup by the Tigers thanks to two first-half goals by Jared Bowen and uh, Dicko, which is exactly the same thing as what happened to us. Uh, we went up to Hull, so we fear you're paying for us. Uh, Velios, though, did score a lovely goal for Forrest. I don't know if you score, uh, saw sorry, um, to give them a chance uh, of earning a replay, but uh, unfortunately for Forrest, uh, he didn't. Uh, they play Preston at home. Uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night. So we will have a few extra days rest ahead of Saturday's game. And they've got a new manager, uh, Ita Karanka, appointed a few weeks ago after Mark Warburton was dismissed on New Year's Eve. Were, were any of you quite surprised to see Mark Warburton, not say too badly, because he didn't do terribly at Forest, but maybe not achieve a little bit more with that squad? Because he's, he's a manager I've always kind of rated, especially from his time at Brentford. It's funny because they haven't, they've, they've not been horrendously bad. They're just very hot and cold and it's a very inconsistent side. And I think, you, I wonder whether it's a case of, you know, Mark Warburton being, it being a case of, you know, the Emperor's new clothes and actually he's not really, you know, as good as, as everyone said. And I can't say we'll definitively one way for one way or another because I've not, I've not seen enough of sort of his sides. But it, it did surprise me just because he's so highly rated. But it, it, as I say, it's not been all downhill. It's just, it's just very inconsistent from Forrest so far this season. Uh, Dom, what kind of style should we expect from Forrest? Uh, Kieran Dow obviously gets lots of their goals. I've always been a big fan of Daryl Murphy. And when we talked about uh, strikers that we could potentially sign this January, um, not that I thought it was going to happen, but he would be one that I would have loved for six months. And in Ben Brereton, uh, they've got one of the league's hottest prospects. Not the league's hottest prospects, Obviously. but you know, one of the league's mm -hmm. hottest prospects. Uh, it's hard because you, you look at the way Forrest have played in the last few years and it it's nothing like you'd expect from an Aito Karanka side. Because mm. from an Aito Karanka side, you expect them to not concede many goals and not score many goals. That's not what Forrest do. That's not what Forrest are currently about. For, for, they, they're a bit like us when we were down the, the bottom half. Where, where they concede lots and score lots. Yeah, and you and you don't really know which Forest team is going to turn up. It was a bit like that Fulham team, like the three-one one against QPR. Mm. It was a wonderful performance, and then and then and then now and then with them, I don't really know what to expect from them. I don't really know how they're going to set up. Being an ideal cranker side, I'd expect them to set up in in the way that they're going to try sit deep and then get us on a counter attack. But then, as I said, and as most Fulham fans say, if we get an early goal you expect us to win and it happened against Burton I know Burton literally offered less than nothing in that game <laughs> like it was less than nothing they literally offered less than nothing in that game but like, if the same happens again and we get a goal after 20-25 minutes I cut, they would have to come out and attack us and obviously it gives us more space but I think being an ITOR cranker side I know it's not what Forrest has been about the season but I can see him setting up in a very defensive way because obviously made the nine of goals they can see in the Premier League it was very very low he's, he's gonna he's gonna Sort of stamp. He's going to need a bit longer to sort of stamp his mark on the side. I guess he's only had what you know three league games. I think in an FA Cup tie, perhaps. But I remember uh, you know a couple of really ding dong games against Middlesbrough at the Cottage when Karanka was in charge. Uh, I guess one of them was just a craziest it, it game. Do ever. or die for Borough that day. It was wasn't that, yeah, it? The, with the with the McCormack uh, running uh, on the break. They had to win. They had to abandon all principles, didn't they? Really. <laughs> and you know, we're not going to get that again to, uh, on Saturday. But you know, they're looking. You're looking at them at the moment. They're sort of pulling out results against you know quote unquote better sides. So you know, something to to look out for. Um, 
And we've already mentioned uh, Kieran Dowell. He's not going to be there next season, obviously. Uh, he's going to go straight back to Everton, but he's, uh, he's a bit of a player. I'm looking forward to seeing him. And they've also got a danger up the left with uh, Armin Troyore and Barry McKay as well. So they've got they've got danger and they're going to pose us some some problems, I think. But um, it's, like, it's like Dom says, if we score first. Um, Farrell, do you expect Slav to keep the same starting eleven, or do you think that Matt Target might now come in at left-back for a doy after a pretty promising 45 minutes? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be very surprised if Target doesn't get that left-back slot. Um, I mean, Odoi didn't have a great first 45 minutes on Saturday, but if he, you know, if he then plays again on uh, on Saturday at home, I wouldn't be too fast. I mean, Odoi does pretty well. He's been he's probably been one of my most improved performance this year. Um, so fair play to him. But you know, I can't. I'd be also surprised if Target doesn't get the left-back slot. Maybe Cess will go back to left-back. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, who knows with old Slav Bingo. And I guess maybe the only other addition to the side will be if Kearney has somehow miraculously um, recovered yeah. from his knee injury and is fit to face Forrest on Saturday, then I guess he may come back into the side and Slav may make some changes. But yeah. we're, we're, At the moment, though, it seems like a fairly settled eleven, unless something really does change with respect to Kearney. Well, that's pretty much what happened last year. Obviously, Slav made the odd surprise change here and there in the in the midweek fixtures, but you know he he largely kept the same ten or eleven. The only the only ones from last year he uh, tended to change was in the left wing slot between Aite and Cabano, mm. um, and on the odd occasion Sessegnon. But this year, I think he started to realise. Why am I changing the winning formula all the time? <laughs> Maybe that was a mistake I did last year because he changed it up for the for the Reading games and playing a Luco at striker instead of on his on the wing in the second leg was a massive mistake and a massive surprise at the time. So hopefully he doesn't change change it up too much on Saturday as well. Right, well, we've got to do some questions. Nice and quick, we haven't got too much time left, but uh, Dom is in charge of the post bag today. Uh, you met up with Jack at a neutral location and he handed it over to he did, you. He did have me the bag over. A, a, a sealed envelope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His bulging sack? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I thought that was my responsibility to lower the tone. Uh, so we'll start off with Ryan Higgins, News, who's someone actually I know quite well. He's like, hey boys, love what you do. Now, Kenny wants... The move to West Ham. Do you see the fans turning on if he plays while Saar continues, or will the fans see it as his chance at guaranteed Premier League football? Well, by the time we line up against Forest on Saturday, he'll be gone, or he'll be there. So I don't think it'll be a problem with any luck. <laughs> yeah, I guess one way or another, it's going to either oh, no. be a problem or not a problem, but it's nothing that we can really do or say. Yeah, by the time fans can react to it, it's either happened or it hasn't happened. So he won't. I can't. I wouldn't see fans on blaming him for moving. Really, because well, having a bit of ambition that it might be quite a nice move for him. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's moving to a, uh, I wouldn't say an established Premier League team, but because they they've had their few cha- few times going up and down in between the Championship. But they're 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 big big team. They're a massive team. They're a big team, and it's like it's half of Essex supports them. Pretty much, yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think just to like just to kind of sum up the Kearney situation for in terms of the fans perspective is that nobody will begrudge him a move nobody will begrudge Sess a move in the summer but you don't leave your team and your teammates and the fans in the shit if you don't have to Yeah, if he, if he moves then it's a problem and we won't love Kearney yeah yeah. but if but I, I, some fans have got to realise that players don't grow up supporting Fulham 99.9% of the players that have played for Fulham in recent in the past 20 years did not grow up supporting Fulham Dom what's coming next Next, we have a question from David Kettlewake from Ohio across the pond. Hello. Imagine, imagine if you would that it's five years in the future. Now, go back to our last few scenes in the championship, including 15, 16, 16, 17, and 17, 18, and pick your best full and forgotten 11. By the way, life at the top of the premiership is awesome, and the pod has now been syndicated to 14 countries and a territory of Guam. Thought you'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Right, Thank forgotten Fulham players from the championship from... era, basically. All right, should we pick three each, or do I right. actually pick an eleven? There's been it's, so it's there's been so many, many players. I'm just trying to. There's so trying. many forgotten. I mean, all right, goalkeeper. It's got to be. I'll just say Karai. Well, he wasn't really forgotten though, was he? No, hard. He to, was very prominent. That, that performance against Watford was hard to forget. But then the only, only other goalkeepers really are youth players such as Jesse Yoran and Mar- Mario Rodak. Or Rodak, I'd say. Well, I'd go Rodak, Rodak over Rodak over Kirali. I okay. remember it's five years in the future. Rodak, a few defenders. Uh, after this season, I think Jallo would probably be there. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. Cameron Burgess, not gone actually. 
but has he? No, he's gone, hasn't he? Has he got, Didn't he go yeah, he got, he got sent off on the weekend for. Um, oh yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm whoever, right. whoever whoever South End were playing might have been Oldham. Yeah. It was whoever South End were playing because so I forgot who Jennifer is this morning. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, another. Who else Kenny Rose has a shout. Where did it? Well, I can't remember where he played. Oh yeah, Kenny Rose. Last Rose, Rose. Rose. was him having a cigarette outside Putney McDonald's. With Adam Taggart. There was a good... There was a great Q&A on Fulham Focus with Kavo. So. That's, how, that's how I remembered him. I read it. Yeah, very, very good, Danny Not boy. forgotten it there, then. Yeah. No, no, no. Very much remember. So we need to the left-back now. Who's... Uh, Sean Kavanagh, surely. Sean yeah, Kavanagh. Oh, Not forgotten I, in, this, I, in this pod. No. I can't wait for Jack to listen to this and someone's <laughs> yeah. going, how dare you. Yeah, let's I'm, just put him in to wind him up. Right. Are we going? What are we going? Four, four, two, four, three, three. Yeah, and then we'll put Tunnycliffe in the middle. Have we gone? Have we gone for uh, Cameron Burgess? We, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, he could be holding midfielder. Be, yeah, because I think pretty much his only appearance was at CDM. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, in, in midfield, Mark Fotheringham has got yeah, to be in there. Yeah, Fotheringham. He's not too infamous. To Although, be. I mean, but then you got to whack in. I don't know where if he, if he counts as a winger or a number ten. Zachariah Labiad. I think Labiad, Labiad was a winger. Labiad. Because like, obviously I know he's, he was number ten slash winger because obviously that's where he played for Sporting Lisbon. I'm going to put him at wing. Uh, who, who else can we have in the, in the midfield? Who else? Danny Guffrey. Oh yeah. Oh good what shout. a shout! Oh I know who we can have a, uh, in defence. Michael Turner. Oh, Fulham oh legend. definitely. Fulham yeah. legend. All right, so Cam Burgess in the middle there. We'll do a four-five-one, shall we? His brother plays for Burton. I think he played the other. Week didn't he? Ben speaking, of, speaking of Burton, did you see they signed uh, Darren Bent? Yeah, I know. What, if only we did what it a week earlier. So I think we need. Um, well, there's there's four midfielders there um, and four defenders. So maybe a couple of strikers. Well, we, had, we said Adam Taggart. Yeah, he's got to be in there. Adam Taggart. Yeah. And then who else? Well, I thought. How about uh, your Syri- man Syriac? I thought Syriac. Oh yeah, Syriac's a good one. One of the most underrated Fulham players of all time. He was, was a good. Was, I, I quite like Syriac. Syria from uh, John O'Farrell that time. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Right, here's the squad then. We've done it quickly. There's lots of players we'll have missed yeah. out, and you can you can get in touch at Fulhamish Pod. Uh, we've gone for Marek Rodak, Jallo, King Cav, Kavosa, and Michael Turner. Uh, then in the middle, we've gone for Cam Burgess at CDM, uh, Mark Fotheram, Danny Guffrey, Zachary Yalabiad, and then Taggart and Syriac doing bits up top. Exactly. Now tell me that team wouldn't win the division. That's him winning Champions League. Yeah, exactly. Right, I think there's one more question, isn't there, Dom? There is. It's from another Yank, Daniel Harrison. I think that's how you say his last name. Hey, guys. My girlfriend surprised me with a trip to Crane Cottage for Christmas and we'll be attending the Forest match. We'll that's become, a nice gift. We'll become, you, is he surprised because he's actually an Arsenal fan? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, we'll be coming from the States and staying with friends who live in South East London. I wanted to know what the must-do things on match day... The walk through Bishop's Park. Which uh, which pub should I stop in? Should I eat pie at Crane Cottage or before I enter? Thanks for any advice you could provide. Coming you whites, Dan A. All right. Well, Dom, do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah. Well, it depends what you think. you're going to do. Like a whole day, or you're just going to like be in Putney for the vicinity I of the guess, game. Like a few rec- match day recommendations. Well, it, de- it depends what you want to do. I mean, if you want to, if we want to early kick off, let's say, obviously, you could go to the Golden Lion because that's where the mo- a lot of Fulham fans are going to be. I enjoy the Golden Lion. But obviously you, and obviously it's just like it's sort of the pub that everyone goes to if they they don't go to Fulham all the time. Oh, if you do, yeah, if you do. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, and then but if you're in Putney side, I guess you go to the Fox and Hounds at the top right by the station. It's relatively cheap in there, and they show all the sports. If you go, if you want to eat a pie, I'd actually recommend going to Putney Pies. Putney Pies definitely. Yeah, Putney Pies is delicious. It's a real recommendation. It's just by the Putney Bridge. Just by Putney Bridge, and opposite the Rocket, where I believe you should enter because it's. Uh, because Dom will be there buying you a drink. Well, I wouldn't say... Uh, that depends if I have any money in my bank account. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, if, but if you're going to go Fulham side, you want to go near the ground, you can go to the Crabtree. Mm-hmm. Very nice pub. You can go to my recommendation, which is Dr. Rink, which is a lovely beer shop on the Fulham Palace Road if you fancy something a little bit more... Uh, craft, the, crafty. Left, left, uh, left field and hipster. Mm. The one I've been going to recently is the Normanby on Putney Bridge Road. That is, a, that is a really good it pub. It is a really good except pub. Except just make sure Chelsea aren't playing... In, at all, obviously, if it's a home game, there won't be. But if they're like the five thirty kickoff away from home, it can be a bit Chelsea ran. But it is a very good pub. It's got a mm. pool table and a dartboard. I don't know what it's else. It's large. It's got screens everywhere. The food is pretty decent. The, yeah. the beers aren't particularly hugely expensive. And yeah, you want to give yourself some time to walk through Bishop's Park. It is it is the thing to do. So if you're coming in maybe from Hammersmith or whatever, alter your route so that you kind of go to Putney Bridge and you walk through Bishop's Park because that is that is the Most only iconic way. iconic walk in uh, English football. Is it? Yeah. Did you, did you do a tweet about it, Jory? I did a little tweet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I heard that before. Pinned on my profile. 
and then and give yourself a good amount of time if it's your first time to the cottage, you know, to to take in the ground because it is it is special. If, we all so we all take it for granted because yeah. we go every week. And if you get there early, uh, if you have time to have a pint in the ground, have one and but in the riverside stand bit because then you can just look over the river. Yes, that's Lovely a good shout. Yeah. Too, what's what's worth doing is that when you wait until if you go to the go to the ground early, but wait until like two or three minutes before the teams come out and do that walk up the stairs and see the pitch for the first time with, you know, the, the stadium getting fuller and fuller. It's with the music playing. That's that's always that gets gets yeah. the feels going. If you, don't, if you wait a little bit to go into the stadium and don't see it empty, you do just kind of get that spine tingling moment that mm-hmm. is what you want from football. And then uh, then after the game, go for a disco or something. You're going to yeah. love it. The Vodka Revs has just opened in Putney. It has. It has actually, isn't it? I've made a couple of visits already. <laughs> so I do th- You've I never, you haven't even left. You just left to come here. Yeah, be back there in a minute. So uh, I think that's some decent recommendations for in there. It is. I think there's enough pubs we mentioned in there. Yeah, if you go to all of those pubs, you're in for a very good Saturday. Do a full and pub crawl. Yeah, exactly. If you're total, then uh, just go straight to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and have a coke. <laughs> right. Well, um, that is the end of today's podcast. We've overran a little bit, but it's always. Uh, quite nice when, when that happens so um, Secretary Tom you've got one final duty that is to name uh, today's podcast I think I'm going to go pretty simple just 100% January 100% January like Very it nice. nothing like uh, Jack when he tries to crowbar in about 17 puns into three words <laughs> yeah I mean we could have used Ryan's we've got McDinio but uh, you know I think I'm just going to stick with 100% or we all like we are or like we're shithouse FC but no I'm going to go with 100% January. 100% January. Nice one. Right, well, thank you very much for listening today. Fulhamish is back, as I mentioned, on Wednesday. The exclusive interview with Breda Hangland. You need to listen to it. So it's going to be out at 2 p.m. UK time on Wednesday. So ready for your Wednesday commute or whenever you want to listen to it later in the week. And then after that, we'll be back after the Forest game. I won't be back, actually. I'm taking a week off next week. But Jack will be back uh, with all the Fulhamish lads looking at the Forest game and also probably rounding off whatever happens in the January transfer window. So all that remains to be said is to Foul Monk, thank you very much. Thank you. To Drew Heatley, thank you. Cheers. And to Don Betts, thank you. See you all later. Bye-bye. Au revoir.